0: Welcome to Aaron and Justin Talk Sequels. Hi, Aaron. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Uh, This week, we are going to cover a marathon of the Before Trilogy. Richard Linklater's uh, critically praised darling of some romantic movies. I don't even know how to describe this weird experiment. Yeah, Uh,
1: definitely. I'd say they're romance, romance films.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So what's your memory of Richard Linklater? Did you follow him when you were a youngster?
1: I only remember Waking Life, and I remember feeling like it was pretty pretentious and one note because we only went and saw it because they rotoscoped it. Um, But I'm sure it's not bad. Like, if I watch it again, I'd probably find things I enjoyed in it more than I did the first time around. But that's the first I remember of Linklater.
0: Yeah, uh, I was a bigger fan. But just touching on Waking Life, because that's actually where I think I disconnected. I I was, uh, I piled on with the guy, like, he was one of the pioneers of the independent film movement in the 90s, and he had such a name that I just wanted to watch him because it was cool, yeah. never really appreciating what he did in the 90s, because, you know, we were teenagers and stupid. Um, and Waking Life, I think, was pretty much that last movie where I was on that bandwagon, and because beforehand, we had Slacker, which I can't remember, but I know I watched. Uh, there was Dazed and Confused, which um, is obviously a classic and everyone has seen it. Yeah, I
1: definitely have never seen those two films. Which is <laughs> But But, uh, you crazy. know, it's, it's one of those that I know a lot about because everybody's talked about it, you know, so I and I've seen parts of it here and there for whatever reason. I get that that's where the McConaughey joke comes from. You know, like, mcconaughey's oh, the right, best right, part
0: right. yeah, yeah. All, right, all right all right but i
1: i never got around to seeing it you know
0: uh suburbia was big for me uh yeah, that was, what was giovanni ripsy was it okay um, and i just thought he was cool but you missed was, before sunrise you never saw that never never saw that film yeah. no but did you know um, about it I mean, I've been aware, just as a film fan, like we are. Yeah. There's so many movies where we're what we're aware of that we kind of just let skip.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm aware something. of like all kinds of modern music. Like I'm pretty up to date on rap stars and pop music, and, but I, I've never heard any of this music in my life. But I read <laughs> about them like in articles, so I know about them. But yeah, that's that's how I feel about a lot of filmmakers that we grew up with like I, i've known about the before movies but i've never gotten around to seeing them until recently
0: yeah like and i think for all these years i've of written off richard link later and revisiting these movies i don't think that was fair this guy has one hell of a style and it drips through these movies um did you see boy, but did you see boyhood I never did, but that was the one movie in his collection that I wanted to touch on because he did something similar. Did Mm -hmm. you see it? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine
1: said it was one of the best films he's seen in maybe 10 years. Like he just thought it was amazing.
0: I mean, it was nominated for Mm -hmm. lots and lots of stuff. I think he was nominated for director, uh, best picture, best screenplay. And the same with the before movies, uh, before Sunrise was critically praised all over. Yeah, uh, for still, a guy
1: that's been nominated that many times. And you, I'd say most people don't really know anything about him.
0: Yeah. like I had, And it's
1: my bad because he is still out there and he's still really... Well, it's not our bad. We try and we are hey. aware. But at the general public, it's their bad, I think.
0: Yes. No, <laughs> it's my <laughs> They're bad. They're missing out. Like, Before Midnight, he and boyhood like back to back 13 14 like yeah. so many nominations has he been anywhere since then not really
1: what has he done since then do you know
0: uh everybody wants some <laughs> last flag yeah. flying
1: no i don't know anything about that
0: where'd you go bernadette
1: yeah apollo
0: 10 and a half which is upcoming no idea <sighs> Um, And if they happen to want to make another one of these before movies, that would be
1: 2022. Yes, right. Because it's always about nine years.
0: Yep. Um, So, uh, quick, we tried this game out last episode. (laughs) Oh god,
1: not this one.
0: (laughs) I I think we could actually pull it off this time. Okay. Um, You have 20 seconds to go through the plot of all three of these movies. Can you do it?
1: Sure. I mean, I have spoiler, not practiced. Spoiler alert Aaron has for not everyone, practiced. But... Yeah, you, did, you didn't come here either. to not know how these movies end. So it's your fault it, if you're listening. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> your fault.
0: All right. And I'm going to hit. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. All right. And
1: go. Boy meets girl. Boy loses girl. Boy gets a second chance to get girl again gets girl. They live happily ever after until reality sets in and they realize it's difficult to be with the same person for years. (laughs) There you go. That's it. That that
0: was pretty good. (laughs) Um, And that's why I thought it'd be appropriate with these weird movies. if We just quickly covered the plot uh, over the course of the three movies now and kind of just get into
1: the nuances. Yeah. As they um, pop up, because you know what? There's a lot of conversations, and I, I I watched Before Sunrise maybe a month ago. I watched Before Sunset maybe two or three weeks ago, and then I watched Before Midnight last night. So Midnight's obviously in my head, and I know the most about it. However, I did skim over quickly the last two. Like, every 10 minutes, I'd click on, you know, and watch them. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They talked about that. Oh, yeah, that's right. They talked about that. So I think I, I think we can jump in when we have something profound to say about a particular conversation they may have had, but covering them all as one giant film seems to make a lot of sense for this kind of movie franchise.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk about how well they do as just sequels later, but um they really build on top of each other in a way that not a lot of movies do. Yeah. And it might just be because of Think later's use of time and i want to say that out loud just in case we didn't because i don't think we did yeah these movies all take place nine years apart with the same actors in the same roles and in each movie nine years have passed so we literally get to watch this relationship age over the course yeah. of three movies the, and the to first, its credit
1: the first movie you get about you get one morning together the second movie, you literally get an hour and twenty minutes together, which, I believe, is exactly from when they meet up again and then end. Right? It's in. It's did in, they do real time? They did real time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they didn't. You, they shot the movie over like eleven days. But right. It looks pretty. It looks pretty much like real time. And then the third one is, um, you know, like, I think a day, maybe. Yeah. because like, yeah because it kind of starts when he. There's an airport scene. They take a drive. They yeah, it's no have more a than a day. Yeah, so it's got to be a day, pretty much around yeah. there. Anyway, okay. Yeah, he
0: dropped him off in the morning, and then right, at night right. they're at the hotel. Right, right, right.
1: But we'll um, get to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. So, real quick, the plot of the Before trilogy is this: a boy. You want Jesse, me to
1: time this? I should time this. Hold on a second. Let me see if you can do it in a minute. <laughs> Absolutely. I I hate dead air, but give me one second. Okay, here I go.
0: A boy named Jesse meets a girl... Oh, I'm going to... lose her name? Celine? Celine. A girl named Celine on a train while traveling Europe. They meet. They hit it off. He has to spend the evening in Vienna waiting for a cheap flight home. He convinces her, because they're attracted to each other, to hang out with him all night. They do. They fall crazy in love in that way that you do when you first meet somebody you're attracted to and they both agree that in six months they will come back to that train station and they will give it a shot Um, because it's not realistic that they drop everything and try to just start a relationship on the fly um and that's that that's the first movie we jump nine years later and these characters have never... It took you have never... seconds
1: to get through the first movie. So Darn it. Eh, you're out of time. Oh. <laughs> I think I um, explained it pretty fairly well. You just yeah, don't have any of bad. the details. Now we can get into the details. Yeah. Um, no, um, but that is before Sunrise, which came out in 1995. Yep. Um, they made it for about $2.5 Doubled the budget. Uh, oh, yeah. Or not the budget, but doubled uh, their money back. Um, Richard Linkletter wrote it with Kim Krizan because Linkletter had an experience like this he met somebody they spent a date together I guess and it was always on his mind like I wonder where she is now that kind of thing so he hooked up with this other writer Kim and they kind of crafted this story he worked with him on Suburbia
0: Suburbia. she was an actress
1: right slacker Yeah, she was like an actress and, and she was a writer so he worked with her and I think, but but I think once they found Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy to play these roles, from what I read, they kind of gave the script to them, and then they rewrote it in their voice.
0: Yep, they said that it wasn't very
1: romantic.
0: Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, but that's where we the Ethan Hawke and out. Delpy are uncredited writers on this film, but they are credited writers on the last two sequels. Yes, like, it's very much a partnership between them two and. Link later.
1: Which is pretty unique, I think, you know? I mean that right there is why it felt cool that this would continue. Because it was almost like they all together were trying an experiment. You know what I mean? I like that.
0: Yeah, a lot of what he does is so experimental yeah. that you're you I don't it's so weird. It's a different experience watching these kind of movies. And I like it. It's a good different yeah. you don't see these kind of movies anymore at all. Um so on to before sunset. So just the plot real quick. Yep. Um, these characters meet again nine years later, but it's not by accident. Jesse has written a book about their experience that night. And his last stop on his book tour is in Paris. And that's where Celine lives. Yeah. Uh, Celine finds out and tracks him down. And the two of them talk again for another hour and a half, getting to know each other again at the end of which ethan Hawke suggests that well what's it is suggested that the two of them are going to get together
1: at the end yeah of the i movie. would say it's it's definitely the best ending of all three i think i think it's a cool ending where she says you're going to miss your plane as a joke almost and he's like i know and that's just how it is so it has an ambiguous ending but i think when you walk if, if you didn't know about the third movie you walk away like before it came out you walk away from that movie you felt pretty good, like, ah, oh, they're getting together. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it was
0: yeah. cute. Um, there is some conflict, though, that I want to throw in there real quick. Uh, Ethan Hawke is now married. Yep. Uh, Celine has a boyfriend. Um, so they both have things going on in their but lives. He's just
1: some asshole. She's not going
0: to. He's easy to dump. <laughs>
1: Her yes,
0: boyfriend. the imaginary guy is right. easy to dump. The last movie, Before Midnight. Sees the characters nine years later again. Uh, Ethan Hawk just spent the summer with his son and he's flying home and he's sad and he's emotional. And the whole family has been vacationing in Greece with another writer and it's their last night there. And this family buys Ethan Hawk or Jesse and Celine a hotel room as a like a celebration present. They go. They get into a big fight and they talk about the nature of their relationship and the movie ends ambiguously once again uh, with just a suggestion of which way the relationship is going. Yeah. Um, in this, we also think that they're going to stay together. But yeah, it's these three movies are these two people talking in their own little world and trying to figure out their emotions and where they sit in relation to each other. Um, so I want to ask an important question, right? Do you like these characters?
1: <laughs> I, uh, I do like them. I like Ethan Hawke a little more than I do Julie Delpy. Oh, that's so funny. I'm the opposite. Are you? Interesting. Yeah. Tell me why. <laughs> well, and I just want to let you know that I consulted a lot of this with my wife because I needed a female perspective. Oh, I'm married. And then I, and I was like, um, is it just me or is she um, a little high strung and uh, a little bit, um, as he puts it, the mayor of crazy town? And she said, no, she definitely is. She's got to relax. And I said, thank you, because that's how I feel that she is kind of the cause of a lot of the turmoil in their future relationship. Um, but it's very honest. It's not like it's a bad characteristic. And the thing, and the good thing about Ethan Hawke, uh, Jesse is that he loves that about her. You know, he's okay with that, the the way she is, you know?
0: See, that's so tricky because my read on it is that she is the very honest character and he is the very dishonest character. She's always been open with her emotions and feelings. Well, He has never really been into that. And he just puts on this veil of having feelings. And I'll back that up uh, once we go a little deeper into each film. But so my
1: overall is that he kind of sucks and she's kind of amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Um, I do think that she's very honest and she's very open. But at the same, it's kind of, you know how like, If you're at work and somebody wants you to work on a project or something and you're like, you don't want to do it. So you're just like, that's stupid. Like, why would any, why would you want to do that? Like, you always have to, I always tell people, you have to have something to replace it with. You can't just say you don't want to do something. You can't just say something sucks if you don't have a better idea. My point to that is if she's honest and open, there's no, she doesn't follow it up with a way to fix the problems. She's just honest and open to start a fight, but is never there to help resolve it. That's what bothers me about her honestness. Honest, honesty, I guess. Does that make That's any sense? Fair. I don't know. She's just emotional, but it's really all, all it really does is cause problems, <laughs> but she, not solutions.
0: So before Sunrise, you started t- touching on it. Yeah. Um, all these movies were written at the appropriate moment as a collaboration between the three Mm -hmm. and they all have a distinct feeling attached to them before sunrise the first film is very much a i'm early 20s and i can do anything and i can own the world
1: it's also a very early middle 90s grunge film you know what i mean everything about it how he dresses how his goatee is you know what i mean like how she dresses uh the music that they are the the bar they go to um the poet that they meet on the waterfront uh the guys in the um the play that they meet who want to get them to come to their play you know one of them plays a cow or whatever like all that to me feels very that is the 90s man you know what i mean (laughs) it
0: absolutely was and it connected with me pretty deeply yeah um I watched all three of these movies last night
1: in a row. That is so amazing. I wish I could have done that.
0: I didn't get done until about 4 a.m. And my goal was to watch the first two last night. And I got through Before Sunrise. And it's a good film. Yeah. But it is the film that has aged the most. And it was, I was getting bored. I knew that the ending was coming. And there wasn't a lot of dramatic tension for me. So I was just bored.
1: See, I'm glad you think that because I think we would have thought absolutely differently we if we had seen it when we were kids because it's almost like every guy wanted wants to be that Jesse. You know what I mean? We all wanted to be the cool guy who would meet some foreign woman while we were going across Europe, pretending we were a poet, whatever. But no one ever did. You know what I mean? It was all just some dream of some people's. And that's why I think it's a great film. That's why I think it's a a cool, fun story, but it's not really reality, I think.
0: You've never had that before sunrise experience? I've never had that
1: before sunrise experience. Did you have that before sunrise experience?
0: I've absolutely had a before sunrise experience. Let me hear that
1: experience. I have to hear that. Because this is another reason why I picked these films is that I thought we would really open up and i would get to know you better than i've ever known you before. (laughs) it's not true because
0: these are these are from when we knew each other the best uh and i've got like 15 personal stories from before midnight but i'm not going to touch on most of them um right that's sad (laughs) before sunrise uh i went and i spent a weekend with our mutual friend Lindsay in philadelphia a billion years ago oh yeah right and she took me to a house party yep. where I met a lovely red-haired woman. And I, I can't remember her name, but I wish I could. Philadelphia. What city was this was...
1: again? Philadelphia? Philadelphia. Now that you say this, I totally had an experience with a friend of mine that we went to Pittsburgh. Isn't that funny? Go ahead. Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, we found ourselves on the roof of this uh, apartment building, old brownstone in Philadelphia. And... We just hung out there the whole night. Had, you know, we never had a park experience. Yeah, you were yeah. at a
1: house party kind of thing. Yeah. Like, there was a reason but for you both to be there.
0: We had right. some amazing kissing. Oh, okay. That's, All right. yeah. She was an amazing kisser. So, you had one night. You had one
1: night with her. Yep, and then never saw her again. Yeah, never saw her again. Did you ever trade information or anything like that? No. Good. Good. What year was this about? <sighs> Like early God, 2000s yeah probably 2005 yeah, exactly for sure yeah 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 I well that's what i like about before sunrise is that he they are absolutely right that if you are trying to do a long distance thing it will fizzle out and nope. you should not trade information and that's another beauty behind the 90s film is that that was possible now there'd be no way you could always find somebody you, you wouldn't even have to trade anything there'd be a way to find you
0: it's true a couple of conversations to point out in Before Sunrise. Um, Ethan Hawke, uh, who has zero good ideas, by the way.
1: Um, <laughs> hey, he, he developed reality television, right? Or he came up Celine with
0: Celine is always talking about these beautiful, deep things. And then Ethan Hawke is always going to come back with, reincarnation, if you think about it, there's like 8 billion of us. But... <laughs> A thousand years ago, there was only like a million of us, so like each time, that means that we're all just a fraction of a person that used to be. Yeah, somebody. And else. that we're all these little shards, and it was terrible.
1: Yeah, um, but you got to be honest though that that is men. That's guys. Like he's a pretty accurate description of a of a person, which is of a man. I mean. <laughs>
0: just terrible so that conversation true, of reincarnation comes up
1: when two we, more times when we try too hard that's how we sound too
0: <laughs> that's true you know what I and mean? yeah these characters aren't two-dimensional these are very well-rounded three-dimensional characters yeah. where you can look at different moments in these movies and they both look like great people and they both look like terrible people um so what we find out in before sunrise about these characters is that Celine is nuts. Yeah. Um, that she has been reported to the police for threatening to murder an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they found evidence in writings that she made about murdering this ex-boyfriend. um, So that's her. So they're they're just very clearly saying, hey, this chick is kind of nuts, but it doesn't matter because they're just so hot for each other. Yeah. They're not really letting reality sink in. Like she just said she was investigated for attempted murder, but he doesn't care. Uh, Another conversation they have is where they try to get each other to point out each other's faults in that first movie. And Ethan Hawke is quick to say, oh, absolutely not. That's a recipe for disaster. You never answer that question. Um, which is a conversation that comes back up again yeah, right. before midnight. Um, and then uh well, I don't want to hit that one yet because that's the next movie. But do I have any I have big notes here that says Ethan is a liar. Um, <laughs> uh, but something
1: most of about them... the grandmother too. like she talks about how her grand uh, I'm sorry, he talks about how his grandmother died in the first movie. And that he kind of saw her in his garden hose reflection or something like that.
0: Yeah, which is so creepy. Yeah. Hey, I saw my dead grandmother. Nobody believed me. And then she's like,
1: oh my God, I want to bang this guy so bad because he (laughs) saw his dead grandma. But there's there's the grandma connection because it happens again. She has a grandma connection in the second movie. And then there's a third grandma connection in, in the third movie. So there's something about grandmothers I'm not reading into, but they mention them. In each, some a grandparent dies in each film, or at least is talked about dying in each film. Yeah, what is that about? What did I, I miss never put,
0: I didn't put that together.
1: Yeah. So hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's really cerebral, and I'm just not getting it, or it means nothing, and it's just a, a quick callback they decided to carry on for some reason.
0: Yeah, because she's on her way back from visiting her grandmother. That's how they meet. Yes.
1: Um, and he and then it's. Uh, It it turns out that he had come to Europe. Yeah, Ethan Hawke is a liar. (laughs) Like, he told her why he was there because, you know, he's trying to be Hemingway or something. Uh, But it turns out that he actually went to see his girlfriend, but she had clearly moved on and broke up with him. And now he's just going to go home, but he figured he'd bum around for a while.
0: He travels over a thousand miles to go see a girl that didn't know he was coming. Yeah. That's true. Like, just another way that these characters are deeply flawed in right. terms of society. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I really love the concept in the first movie that there is no definition for how long a relationship should last, mm-hmm. and that a one day relationship is great, even though they both admitted that they were lying and that they were just normal people that wanted to stay together because yeah. that initial attraction to a person is crazy and amazing.
1: It, it, I liked how they were deciding not, like, to leave it at one night It made it special. So I was, like, getting disappointed at the end that they seemed to be going back on that. Because I like that. no, stick with it. You can do it. But they did come to some sort of compromise where they're supposed to meet up six months later. And I was like, all right, fine. Wait. But I just thought they shouldn't have at all.
0: That's one of the <laughs> oldest film tropes, and it's fine that it was there. But, yeah. I mean, that's been used over and over and over um so let's jump on to the next movie. You know what though? Um, I
1: think that that six month thing was actually something they they probably didn't want to deal with for the next film. You know what I mean? I think that was almost like, Oh, I wish we hadn't put that six month thing in there. How are we gonna how are we gonna answer that? But then they ended up I can totally a see work. that. Yeah. Yeah, well, all right,
0: let's just jump right into before sunset. Yeah,
1: the reason you all came here, right? Because this is a sequel and that's what we're yeah. about, sequels. It- so and the sequels are better. To hell with that. Um,
0: <laughs> so watching these all in order, uh, I was immediately impressed with how much more I liked Before Sunset and then Before Midnight. After that, like, yeah. and it's not because they're better stories, but there was so much more history. We cared more about the characters, and we wanted to see what happened to them in the sequels. Yeah. Um, but. Ethan writes a book. It's the first time we really learned that he's an author, I believe.
1: Yeah, I was trying to find, I was trying to see if they had really mentioned it before. And he really didn't seem like he knew what he was going to do in the first movie. And I guess it wasn't until this experience he had spending time with Celine, that he thought maybe I could write, I guess. I,
0: don't, I think this isn't his first book. I think this is his first hit.
1: Okay, it's been nine years so, uh, you know, I mean, he could have just started writing right after that.
0: Yeah. Um, but he writes a book about their experiences. Last step is in Paris. Uh, very last day. He's an hour and a half from going to the airport. If he was looking for her, would he just be on his way to the airport? My question is, is did he write this book to try and find her or did he write this book because he's a hack and he didn't have any good ideas and so he's just cribbing completely from his life what?
1: no i mean why else would you write a book you take things from your life generally unless you're like there's a, you found another subject to write about well you write a in biography ethan but...
0: throughout the two sequels spends a lot of time talking about his book ideas when yeah. he has the chance and they are all terrible
1: (laughs) and they don't amount to anything (laughs) oh what was one of
0: these ideas where everybody had there was one guy who had deja vu all the time it's a real disease so like he's in a meeting he feels like he's just been in that meeting man yeah it's called this and then there's going to be another guy that has this special power and guess what that power (laughs) is true too and yeah well that's um, a story
1: that's a story from before midnight uh, and before sunset he has one where he talk where he talks to the to the um uh, book reviewers or whoever they are in that Paris uh, bookstore yes. about his new idea for a film where it takes place within the, I don't know what he meant like in the length of a pop song so I'm like is it a four minute book I don't really and then he went on this huge thing about this guy seeing his daughter and reminding him of his past love whatever uh yeah I don't know maybe he wrote those books too who knows
0: Oh no I'm a hundred percent sure he wrote those books too but they like,
1: just nobody likes them nobody,
0: nobody cares. cares because they're garbage because <laughs> yeah, he has insane. no original right. ideas um,
1: well, I think that them meeting up again in this film is not by accident. I think that he in all honesty did write this book to find her and that he knew and then he almost set up the fact that like well let's be let's make sure we're in Paris for one of these because he that's the only info he did know is that she she was from Paris and that she did live in Paris. He didn't know if she'd still be living there when he was yeah. there. But this is he why did... he wrote the book. I believe that.
0: You can totally read into that, but you absolutely could also say that she is the reason that they got back together because she actually went to the store to find him. Yes.
1: Oh, absolutely. But he's the one that made that happen.
0: Because I so think it. it might be a chicken she... and an
1: egg situation. I don't know. <laughs> Like, it's just but a he had to write different the book perspective. in order for her to know that he'd be there, that's right? true, so yeah, you
0: know. he was an uncreative hack. He was trying to make some money, and <laughs> he happened to run into the girl. um <gasps> and so I see it as she genuinely has never been able to get over that night,
1: yeah, but
0: he totally moved on. He got married. he had a
1: kid, well, you know why he moved on uh we discover that... So she sees him at the bookstore. He's got an hour and a half for his flight. Hey, let's get some coffee. They start talking. Oh, this is weird. I can't believe we're back together, you know, talking again or whatever. But, I, you know, I've just wanted to see you ever since. I want to know everything about you. And she was like, I just want to get this off my chest. Like, did you show up six months from that meeting in 94? And he was looking at her face and he says, no. And she's like, oh, my God, thank you. Because I didn't either... My grandmother just died. I wasn't able to go because it was her funeral that day. And then it comes out like five minutes later that she's like, wait a minute. Why didn't you show up? I had a legitimate reason. I really wanted to be there. Why were you there? And then he says, without saying anything, she realizes he did show up. So he didn't move on. He He, totally moved on. No, he showed up. And it was at that. He never showed up. He showed up (laughs) and it destroyed him and that's why he moved on because he he was like her in that she's naive she's beautiful uh and, and and body and spirit you know and in her mind but she's also naive and but she uh celine's way of life is like i she puts all of her she puts all of her effort into something and if it doesn't work out she's against it forever from then on you know what i mean yeah. Whereas he's not really like that, but that's what happened to him after he didn't, After she'd never showed up on those six months. That's all I'm saying. That's why he moved on.
0: And uh, I have this under my heading of Ethan is a liar. Yeah. Um. This is another one of those slight little perspective shifts. Okay. Like there it. is no reason to believe and there's no way to ever know if he was actually there. Yeah. And it feels like he did the thing where... He knew he couldn't get caught, so he lied to get her romantic flair going because he could get away with it. Right. Because he's so bored to death with his wife, and he's so bored to death with just normal life that he sees this love from years ago, and he's like, I want this. This is way better than boring life.
1: Which It's uh, an interesting thought, and you're right in that there's no way... It's set up perfectly for him to lie because he didn't answer. He instead asked her, "Well, did you show up?"
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess. And then he doesn't even say.
1: Based on a lie.
0: He doesn't say that she he went. He made a (laughs) face. Uh, Yeah. And she. Um. Mm. And then,
1: well, okay, he didn't say he, but he had a story to go along with it. After she was talking to him, he was just like, "Yeah, I put up your picture everywhere. I or I put up signs everywhere. I bummed around here and there." He did get into it a little more. He did give some details about his time there.
0: So here's my question. Yeah. Was his marriage bad or was he just telling her a story because he wanted to get in her pants?
1: Well, this is inherently the difficult part for me with this film in that I kept thinking about that kid. I kept thinking about his son, you know, and I'm just like, this movie really better win me over because I feel like he's just kind of like a creep. He's kind of being a deadbeat right now and it kind of pissed me off but i gotta tell you it kind of won me over it it mostly won me over at the end where i was just like this really is the love of his life and i think he's serious and that he's very unhappy with his wife you know
0: i agree with you because i think he's dumb and he (laughs) his inherent first thought is to lie and i don't think it's to be a bad person he just wants to make himself look like he's cooler than he actually is or that he's in control
1: more than he actually is
0: yes and I think he adds these stories to make himself be cool Uh, but there's one thing in that moment um, in the second movie where he's trying to convince her it feels like there was some convincing in her apartment and his argument is or her argument is to him that she shouldn't he shouldn't settle like it was a no win situation that settling and just staying married for his kid wasn't true to him and it's a big concept that comes up again in the that movie where should he just have been this is good enough i have a great life or should i look for that true love
1: yeah right it also uh goes back to the first movie where he talks about his parents briefly and that she's like are your parents still together and he's like no finally like They just stay together for me and my sister, but they shouldn't have. They should have got, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know. It connects to that in a way, too, you know.
0: It's very true. It's all part of them growing up. And in their 30s, they're still idealistic and still looking for that magic that they were told is in the world. And by the third movie, they have to come back down. And he his argument for her to stay with him is you should totally settle.
1: (laughs) For me. For Uh, me. yeah.
0: And because you're not, this is as good as it gets. And it's not any magic anymore. It's real life. And you know what? Relationships are hard. It's never like it was at the beginning. And you have to read into that and to see that she agrees. And she kind of gives in and decides that this relationship is good yeah. even though i have another different take on that too
1: it's hard um, i like i'm with you on what you're saying it's hard not to make it sound like a bad thing when you put it that way but it it does seem like a good thing because well, like, the first movie is not reality it's just it was never they, they were never going to keep it up it was just no, not the way no. life is going to be so that's, that's why not how way, relationships work Right. The way you describe them in the second film is more realistic in that it's not that we're we are settling for each other, but it's not a bad thing. It's just that this is life. So let's not let's not push it aside because it's not as romantic as as we were in the first movie, basically. Yeah. Um, That's so sad.
0: And so. (laughs) But true. (laughs) And I'm sure we'll find more stuff to talk about in the second movie, but I'm. Ready to start covering the themes of the third
1: movie. Yeah. Where... Well, now, uh, the second movie is pretty easy plot wise to discuss because to they just, again, they meet at that bookstore. They walk around for an hour and a half. Um, they do their big combos about things they believe. They go to a cafe. They walk some more. And it's not till I'm, they're on that boat where they take kind of a touristy thing because they wanted to see it where it really gets. Where where he says, I wrote the book for you, and it kind of opens up the floodgates in a little bit. And then when they're in the taxi heading to her house, uh, going to her place is when they really unload. And I think that they finally realize uh, it's now or never. Um, Do you want to be with me or not? I'm unhappy in my marriage. Let's just make it work. Blah, 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 blah. So then they get to her apartment, and the way the movie ends is um, she uh, settles. (laughs) <laughs> or gives in, and it's clear yeah. that they're going to be together at the end. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Um,
0: something that I really loved that Linklater did in these movies, it was at the end of the first movie where the action had kind of stopped and she had gotten on the train, and then they started showing all of the scenes where they had been the night before. Yeah, like empty. Yeah. And it really worked on me seeing all these moments um, just without them in there. You felt the loss like it was a memory. It felt like going home from vacation and being sad that you have to go home. You He did a good job of building it. And he does it again in either the second or third movie. I noticed it for sure. I can't remember which one it was. But it's just a great move that worked both times. Yeah. Um before we touch on the third movie uh in terms of his direction style his camera angles like the writing stays really consistent through all three movies like they talk the same yeah. it's the same character there's not a lot of you see them grow but their style of talking and it's pretty consistent like the writing is there in the second movie he really changes up his camera angles um you get like there was a really long boom shot that i
1: noticed that steady just didn't shot. feel like him huh steady cam shot
0: no like it was it was up oh, over their heads yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it went down mm. and followed them and it it's a shot that didn't really feel like it matched up with most of the movie just mm. cuz so much of the movie is planted on them
1: yeah you're always at street level with them generally
0: and so the second movie had more of that, but the third movie goes completely back to the style of the first movie and it's much more grounded. Yeah. Um, it's, I just, I liked watching him progress and seeing those
1: changes. Yeah, I think it's, um, I'd have to, It's uh, you know, it's just the way film looked in 94. Like, I feel like it fits right in with any other, film of its era you know what I mean it just has that grungy look to it which I always like you know I think that looks great and then when you get to Before Sunset in 2004 um, it feels like more of a Woody Allen film is what it looked like to me everything's got a little bit of a a orange hue to it almost
0: you know what I mean (laughs) I really liked the colors in Before Sunset I didn't expect it to pop as much like that first shot in that movie where you're on the train and you're watching somebody and all the windows are open and you see the whole outside. It was, it was just cool. Yeah. So third movie. Yeah. Um, before midnight and Ethan Hawke is even more famous as a writer than ever Mm -hmm. because he's published another book. No, he's published two more books. I can't remember, but he published a second book based on the second movie because he's so original that yeah. he once again had a big hit off of just his personal life. Well,
1: maybe fans were clamoring for another, for a continuation of whoever his characters are. The same way these fans probably wanted another continuation of the before movies. You know,
0: I can see that. Yeah, he wrote a book. Been...
1: He wrote a book called This Time. Right, that was the first one. That's what his Before Sunrise is basically. It's this oh, time. I don't remember what yeah. the book was called. It's yet. This Time. And then his sequel to this time is that time. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that's what it is. Um, oh,
0: and they live in Paris, mm-hmm. but they've been on vacation as a guest of a famous old writer in Greece for six weeks. Yep. And it's well, been now a what great I like.
1: Uh, remember when I was talking about the the issue with Sunset? Is that I felt like they better win me over cause he just seems like an asshole cause he's going to cheat on his wife. Uh, and I can't stop thinking about the son. I just feel bad for the son in this situation. Um, well that's how the third movie starts is that he's sending his son or he's in Greece with his son who spent the summer with him cause the son lives in Chicago with the mother yep. still. So here he is at the end of the summer putting his son who's like, you know, 14, 15 now or whatever on a, uh, airplane and sending him away and it's bothering him because he feels like he's not there for him because he lives in paris with his wife and two uh, little girls and they have the life of their own so it's bothering him um the same way it bothered me like when i was watching the second movie so i'm glad that this is his deal in this one this is what's bothering him this is what's getting on his nerves in the third film is that he, he feels think- like he can't be a good father to his son
0: See, I think it more bothered him that people don't like him. <laughs> and his son makes it clear that his mom absolutely yeah. hates his guts. Well, he
1: asked why, so, and she he doesn't know. The kid doesn't really know. I don't know.
0: But does nine years later, yeah. if nine years after a marriage where the marriage wasn't working and both people were unhappy, would one of them absolutely hate the
1: other one still well now nine it's years later sound to me the way they speak about it a little bit later in the film is that his marriage did not end right then when he reconnected with celine it seems like it went on in secret for a little while after that it does seem so i think that the, added into the fact that he was cheating on his wife and he didn't tell her <laughs> and she was very upset about it, which means that she
0: probably loved him more than he was letting on, it's possible, and that yeah. he was just
1: bored. But whether you love was... someone or not, I'm just guessing. Uh, you're still angry that somebody's fucking around on, behind your back. You know what I mean?
0: It's true. It's so you can true. be pissed
1: off even if you don't, even if you don't love them. I don't
0: know. Even nine
1: years later. Well, I would say, uh, let's say it went on for like two years, so it was really only maybe seven.
0: Um, <laughs> because care. they go... We can talk about the details they uncover right, over right. the course of the movie. So they say that they the it was messy yes. in getting divorced, um, that they basically got pregnant with their kids, and on the first time, they
1: screwed. Yep. Uh, Without they, a they boarded. Is the way she put it, yeah. So it wasn't like that. Then I mean, they had sex uh, in the first movie, which yeah. is another funny thing that we didn't touch on in Sunset is that she denied it happened. Yeah, <laughs> it so like funny. that was weird. Like yeah. that was crazy. Like, it didn't, that didn't happen. Like she blocked it out of her memory, and then it just turns out later she was lying about it because she didn't. She thought it was too personal of a thing to think about again or something like that.
0: Uh, anyway. Something that is worth touching on that I almost forgot too. Yeah, um, these people are professionals in their fields she is a respected whatever she is like she's like an active yes an activist
1: environmental type things yeah
0: but who actually makes a bunch of money and he obviously is doing well with the writing but we look at their private lives and they're just chaos (laughs) like her apartment is bonkers yeah um, because she does not look like she lives in a good neighborhood. Like there's graffiti all over the side of the wall as the cab is taking them to her house.
1: Yep. I'm not too familiar with France. I don't know. Is there a bad neighborhood? I'm sure there's bad neighborhoods <sighs> everywhere.
0: I'm assuming there's bad yeah. neighborhoods everywhere. Um. Anyway. Well, she's I just living to touch like a
1: that. single woman in her early 30s. You know. I mean. That. Felt and that has real. done
0: nothing but continue. They've been <laughs> incredibly successful in their professional lives. Yeah. When we hit the third movie um so much so that they're arguing about her changing jobs because she's going to join the government because she's so sick of not getting anything done as an environmentalist and just think of that real quick that change from being 20 and wanting to be an activist and wanting to change the world and now you're 40 and you're like i'm so sick of not getting anything done i'm going to join the government and i'm going to change the laws
1: right and then (laughs) Um, at the same time he the the thing that's bothering him about being a father to his son without really saying it she's getting the idea that you want to move to chicago so we're closer to him don't you like that like we have to do what you want to do now and ruin my chances at this dream job that she may get or whatever so that pisses her off you know but he didn't really say he wanted to do that but i guess it does kind of infer that's what he's thinking
0: yeah yeah you can tell well we actually know why she's thinking that a little later on
1: yeah and i don't want to talking well, about what happens next? quite yet so they they drop he drops his kid off at the airport and then they drive to back back to the vacation spot they've been at with this author and his family and uh at this yep. villa basically and they have, and this dinner, they have which dinner? i didn't really care for the dinner yeah why well what's good about the three movies is that they felt very real and the way that ethan hawk and julie delpy act and the way they act together always feels very real you know and now this is really the first time where you had a scene where other people had just as much screen time as they did and it felt less special to me you know it felt like any other movie where somebody writes a dinner party scene and everybody's eloquent and everybody has a great story you know it just felt i don't know it just felt too fake. crazy. it felt fake thank you
0: thank you and yeah. Because we are seeing them for the first time in the real world. The first two movies, they're in their own little worlds where it's only the two of them. And we see the results of that where they're just like everybody else. They're at a dinner party and they're being
1: fake and they're telling stories and being charming. And yeah, there's a lot of that.
0: Now, I'm not
1: too familiar with European customs. I know they are definitely more... Um, at peace with their bodies and sexuality. So to talk about penises and sex and everything during a dinner party wouldn't really happen as much here in America, but it actually could in Greece, I guess. So maybe I'll give them that much. Maybe that would pop up.
0: <laughs> Artsy writers
1: I could see it popping yeah, up right. like and, pretentious and the guy, people like Ethan Hawke. The guy who owned the house was a writer. So yeah. You know, I guess that's true. I guess that could be. I just felt like uh I don't know because the other guy was a writer too. Yeah, everybody's. Yeah, you're right. When well, you get all these fucking writers together, it just and gets they obscene. Just, yeah, <laughs> and um, preposterous.
0: Uh, so, as a going away present, because they're going back, uh, the old writer guy or whoever, they got them a present. They put them up in a hotel room for the night. Yeah, they're just going to watch them. their kids. Yep, and they're just going to let them have a romantic evening, which celine absolutely doesn't want to do because she's
1: pissed at jesse and she knows that it's gonna suck all night well i think they were and they're almost like scared to do it both of them are because she kind of said it, hey can you mention how we don't really want to do it? he's like oh yeah, yeah yeah hey do we have to can we get our money back you know can you get your money back for that you know so he was he was quick on it too because i think they were afraid to be alone together
0: but how real was
1: that moment like I that love- was pretty
0: real like everything that they did together reminded me of a real relationship and yeah. how you communicate comfortably with just yeah. those two uh,
1: I will say also about the um the the meal is that when I mentioned my wife and I watched these films together, she just thought she was being a bitch in that dinner the way she was talking about him. It's like she blames him for being a man, and that comes up a lot. And it's pretty unfair, you know? Like, she called him out about shit right in front of him. And he took it pretty well, I would say. But I thought it was very unfair. Because she is so
0: sick of his bullshit. Okay, wait. I'm going to jump ahead and just say this plot point. Yeah. Even though you might not think it's a plot point. So, at the end of the movie, we really get some details from a big fight they have. And what we learn is that they basically have this fight. Every single time that kid comes home. And she yeah, was right. ready for this fight. and His son. Yeah, every time that his son goes back to America, he says the exact same Gets stuff. And she's
1: ready and for the same it. Thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yep. And so she's already irritated because she knows that it's coming. The way that people in a relationship can read each other, she knows that the day is going to suck. And she's just trying to put up with it. But she just is sick of it. And so she's picking at him because she you know a couples fight um but it's not a new fight and that's why i feel like at the end what all we saw was it felt like the end of the world to the viewer mm-hmm. but what we saw was just a very normal couples fight that they had and it was over and they made up at the end yeah. like there was never any real threat of them breaking up because that's just how they fight if that makes sense yeah
1: no i hear that Because after the party, they take a walk into town um, and it kind of becomes the first two movies again where they just have some conversations about whatever, you know, and it's nice. And then once they get to the hotel, uh, they try to kind of get it on, um, which is
0: super hot. Yeah.
1: Right. But it just devolves into this screaming match or yelling match. And uh, yeah, she's the mayor of crazy town, as he says and uh he tries to be rational but i do hear a lot of um what's the word uh patronizing in his tone you know the way he speaks to her about how crazy she is so i could see how she comes back um with a lot of uh shit on him as well so but that's basically what happens is that they get in this giant argument in this hotel room
0: yeah it's just a normal fight about one thing but when you're mad you can't let stuff go and you just start fighting about
1: everything yeah um. Well, I don't want to get too personal, but I mean, I definitely have arguments when it comes to relationships, but I've never uh, like personally attacked anyone, you know what I mean? Like in an argument, like that's where I feel like it kind of draw- crosses the line with your significant other. When you, you mean s- verbally? Well, when you start to like talk about them, like they're a piece of shit and they are this way and that way you know what i mean like we argue about situations and and issues and things that we don't agree on but it's never like it's because you're fucking crazy you know what i mean like that's that doesn't make me feel like they're going to last <laughs> and when it's a pretend but when it's
0: a pretentious asshole and a crazy lady who are doing the yeah. fighting i think that's potentially the stuff you would hear that's possible it's definitely not it's like a no. It just feels like a real relationship. Does it's it? so hard because that's you can, not
1: my relationship, but I do understand that people have that. Yeah, And yeah.
0: yeah. I, I never had that. Just to be clear, okay. But no, uh, <laughs> when you're picking apart the pieces again, it's so they're so well rounded where you can't call these people good or you can't call them bad a hundred percent. They're just real people they're that real make mistakes. People. Yep. Um, and that's such a delight, and it's such good writing there's a reason these movies are all awarded or nominated for best
1: uh, writing and uh, um, this movie probably not for everybody like a lot of people probably see these two white people you know middle class white people arguing about shit and they just think it's ridiculous you know it's, not everybody probably likes this movie but I think to a certain uh, a certain amount of people like they see parts of themselves in these people and that's why they feel like pretty genuine all these films you know like the way I see it is uh, marriage relationships, and they never got married, which bothered me. They never got married, and that is another thing that just came out. It, it came out later in the movie. The same way him that he was married with a son came out later in the movie in the second one. Like it was never like talked about like exposition, which I liked. It just kind of all of a sudden came out. Um, but then I noticed, like, yeah, they both they 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 don't have rings on. They never have, you know, in in any of the movie, you know. So I guess yeah. you could have figured, you could have put it together earlier. if. but I've n- I've never been the guy that's noticed the small details like a wedding ring or something.
0: Well, I kind of want to finish this episode talking about Julie Delpy's breasts. Okay, yeah. Um I, it's it,
1: logical. I think that's the next step in this. So they <laughs> they get a lot of love she in this was, movie.
0: Yeah, and they were amazing. This she was what, 40 something?
1: Yeah. like 40, 42, something like that.
0: And these are some of the best, (laughs) maybe the best older breasts that I've ever Uh, seen in my entire life. Older, way to go! But I absolutely would bet you money that she fought for them to be in there. Yeah, Um, because just her, because she has no nudity in the other two films. It's just all of a sudden there's nudity here. Like I think this movie could have had her completely clothed for, and nobody would have thought. Yeah, they didn't, didn't
1: need it, right?
0: Instead, we get this scene where they're having a fight and she is topless and it's absolutely not sexual no but you you know what it's
1: it um there are other films it it, to me it felt like a trope not in a bad way yeah because there are other films where a woman is half naked in an argument and i only have one example but i know there's been more uh robert altman's shortcuts did you ever see that Oh no, and yeah. nobody else has. So that's not a trope. Uh. <laughs> it's a trope. Uh, it's Matthew Modine and Julianne Moore, and Julianne Moore is bottomless in the whole fight that they have together. Really? Yeah, just right in your face the whole the whole time. So it's not the first time I saw some some woman half naked having an argument in a film. That's all I'm saying. I
0: just like that it wasn't meant to be sexualizing; that it was just meant to show two people, and you yeah. know, or you're having an argument and it's supposed to be sexy time, but it's not sexy. It's just two people having
1: an argument. I think it might be a trope in that. I don't, I don't know. I feel like people just kind of like, if it's not sexual, you kind of just cover up a little, right? You don't just leave it all hanging out. I've been that mad. Like I've definitely been in fights where you're that mad, where you're not paying any attention and you're just arguing and you're okay. (laughs) Motioning. Interesting. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Like, she goes to answer the phone. And yeah. she's just like, oh, I don't need to put it. But I'm just like, I just feel like normal people would be like, oh, let me throw my robe on or something and then go do it. You know what I mean? So that's why it feels that's like it's more of a movie. It's more of a movie trope.
0: that people So she was at. definitely being passive-aggressive, passive too. Her answering the phone and talking to his son. Yeah, what was that about? And then not letting him talk Damn. to him. The second
1: time she did that, though. I think that showed that she is a little self-obsessed. Like, she's a little narcissistic. Like, she doesn't uh, have... She's totally she, thinking fights. Well, no, she doesn't really have... I don't know if it's in that moment she may have used it as a passive-aggressive thing, but even when he called her in the car, she didn't think to, hey, do you want to talk to your son? I think that shows that she doesn't think much about other people. Maybe that's reading into it too much, but she's not concerned with his well-being. And that kind of made me mad, because I, I would never do that. If somebody's son called me, I'd be like, do you, do you want to talk to your mom before it? You want to? like, I'm always checking in. Yeah. But that's I would like, totally do the same just, thing. I wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, you want to talk to him? I had no idea. I didn't think about you. <laughs> so that's what it seemed like to me.
0: Kind of wrapping things up here. Yeah. Um, do you remember our standards for if this is a su- successful sequel?
1: Yeah. I sort of like, uh, it's got to survive on its own. It has to tell a complete story. Um, it has to, like, has to like end it, you know what I mean?
0: Yep, it has to have a clean yeah. ending and there's no hooks for a third installment. Right. It
1: doesn't need a third to be what it is. Basically. Yes, for an additional installment. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. So before um, Sunset, does that hit the sequel thing? What do you think? It technically does,
0: but if the first movie wasn't there, it would be
1: much less it'd be a worse movie yeah i always go back to aliens because i do think that aliens is the perfect sequel and that you don't even need the first movie really to make it work you shouldn't need the first movie the
0: sequel should tell a complete story yeah and this does but you would have to really really
1: fill in the parts that they mention on your own yeah they kind of do in a way like when he's talking at the bookstore they show images from the first movie you know what i mean so that's his little way of saying like i know you need the first one but then by the third movie he's like you don't need any reminder if you're coming back for the third one it's because you're a fan of the first two but when you make a sequel to a first one you do he probably still had a little pressure on him to say well you got to make sure people connect this to the first movie you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah I mean, even with the third one, though, like I feel like it would lose a lot of its power if we didn't know these characters before. Yeah. And it's only the patchwork of their experiences over the three movies where it's really successful. Yeah. Um, so it's almost more like serialized storytelling than sequel yeah. storytelling, if that makes sense.
1: But I do think it it does survive. It does pass the test of the sequel because um, if you didn't see the first movie and you just saw the second... Well, I take that back. (laughs) (laughs) The second movie does not work as its own piece of filmmaking without the first. It it does. It's just not as good. The third movie you could watch without the first two. I think. It tells its own story and it's more complete. I agree with the third one. I I think the third one could stand on its own. But it makes it better that you have seen the first two.
0: But I don't I think, think the second the third one
1: survives on its own without the first.
0: Yeah, like the third one is still a great movie without the other others. And then the second one goes from being a great movie to just, oh, that was fine, uh, without the sequ- or without the first one. Yeah.
1: What do you think is the best film out of the three?
0: God, it's so... The second and third ones are the best. Yeah. Um, I don't know what order I'd put them on in. If you I want to feel like... Sorry, go ahead. Second three, two, three, one. Two, three, That's one. That's the order I would do.
1: Okay. I, don't, I think it's all about what feeling you want to get. If you want to feel romantic, you watch the first one. If you want to feel um, a harsh look at reality and get a little depressed, you watch the third one. <laughs> so maybe, maybe the second one is the best viewing experience. I don't know. You know, just because it's... It's not too in your face, and it's kind of it's kind of nice to feel that they got back together. I don't know. I guess I would put but, it as uh, I say one, two, three. I really think you got to watch it in order because you got to see them age. I think aging is part of the other part that people come back to these movies for because you get to see them literally grow up before your eyes. And what's more uh, fun than that than watching it straight through? You can't watch it out of order. Which
0: again is part of the experiment, experimental nature of these films yeah. and something that Linklater uh, also does in Boyhood. Yeah,
1: he takes it to the max he, in Boyhood.
0: Yep, it was a movie shot over 12 years, starting in 2001, ending in 2013. And so in in the course of one movie, we see a lot of what he tries to do over three movies where we actually see the actors age and it's insane. Yeah. Is he doing Also starring now, Ethan you
1: think? Hawk. Huh. Also starring Ethan Hawke. You said, yeah. Um, is he doing anything now? You think? What's his next experiment? Yeah.
0: His next one was,
1: well, <laughs> well, he's got to be. I just mean, like, maybe it's not even his announced next announced next film. Maybe he's still. Maybe he's doing some sort of experiment we don't know about right now.
0: Do you know the title of his first movie? And he probably is. You're right.
1: Uh, no, I don't.
0: The title of his first movie is "It's Impossible to Learn to Plow by Reading Books."
1: It's impossible to learn to plow.
0: <laughs> yeah, by <laughs> reading books. Okay. And what year it's was that? A, it's available as a uh, feature on the Slacker Criterion.
1: Okay. What year? I actually, he start started making films. Nineteen eighty eight okay. was his first yeah, feature. He was up there with a lot of other guys. So, what's um, his? Do you have his filmography pulled up there?
0: Yeah. What is it? So we've got that one. Yep. And then he hits it big in 1990 with Slacker. And then three years later, he does Dazed and Confused, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he does Before Sunrise, which is also huge. Suburbia is a dip. And then his first studio film is the 1998 film, The Newton Boys.
1: Oh my God, that's right. Which
0: I'm pretty sure we saw in theaters too. That is a,
1: that is a paycheck film. <laughs> I mean it was fun but him that guy doing that kind of movie that's for that's for like a, a I'll do one for you if you let me do one kind of thing you know
0: I actually think he was beyond that at that point I don't know what that was because yeah. he immediately does Waking Life in a movie called Tape Tape I don't, okay. I don't remember Tape I don't remember and then he does School of Rock yeah so now that was
1: the hit that was the big, his biggest hit definitely
0: Dazed and Confused was his biggest
1: hit yeah but, but I don't no, I have I I just think uh, I mean it's what made Jack Black, you know, a star. I've so never I seen think, it. You never saw it at School It was really good. I mean, that is a that is a basic film. Like that is your that is how you make a movie. It's not it's nothing special. Like as right. far as an independent film goes, it's just. But it's a it's a funny movie. It's really good.
0: Uh, did you see his Bad News Bears? Because he is the one who directed the reboot. No, I had no idea about that. I it saw it. It was good, but it wasn't as good as the original, obviously. Right. Well, the, uh, first Fast is Food so,
1: the first is so funny that like it's so like wild and the kids are swearing and like saying slurs and shit. And it's so like you wouldn't make you wouldn't make that movie nowadays or you can't even show your kids that movie nowadays. Or they're just like, what is what do you say? I don't know. Yeah, it's true.
0: Uh, but I haven't seen many of these others. I never saw Fast Food Nation. Oh, um, a scanner darkly. I haven't seen, but I've heard all about that.
1: <laughs> I feel like i may have seen that but i don't i don't know it was
0: his next wrote or brotoscope film yeah um and then me and orson
1: wells which i haven't heard of uh um, there was a couple orson Welles films that came out around the same time i don't know if that's the one i'm thinking of but i did see one of them
0: he did bernie which i only remember the poster with jack black
1: oh i did see that yeah yeah, yeah. i did see that
0: that's all right so i have no idea no idea if it's, good. it's like a
1: serial killer or something
0: uh boyhood everybody wants some last flag flying where'd you go bernadette which i think is a musical
1: adaptation was that with kate blanchett yes yeah because she was up for an award i feel like for that but
0: disappearances can be deceiving that actually looks good uh <clears throat> and then his upcoming project is called apollo 10 and a half
1: that's an awful title what the fuck yeah. is that about? <laughs> um,
0: part live action, part rotoscope. Jesus. And his next um, one
1: after that eleven and a half. and a half.
0: Okay. Like, did you did you hear about the movie where it's Robert Pattinson and some girl and it's a romance and it takes place the... What is it? The day before 9-11? No, I... I, didn't I saw this movie in theaters on a first date with Julie um, and the movie ends with him uh, Robert Pattinson up in his dad's office talking about how he met a girl and he's in love oh my and then God. they zoom out and it's 9-11 oh my and God. the plane it's no. the morning of <laughs> oh,
1: No. and then it kind
0: of just ends uh, but he, he could totally make a movie about two people meeting and falling in love so on 9-11 horrible. just walking the streets in New York that is some shit <laughs> that's fair because it was a not a good movie and yeah. this was during the twilight times when all of his movies were bad right uh that's a good note to end on this is justin this
1: is aaron thank you for tuning in to yes. aaron and justin talk sequels be sure, sure to check to... out next week
0: oh yeah check us out next week but also uh we could use some reviews on itunes when the only places where you can review a podcast and uh follow us on social media it's out there but anyway uh thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week